Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from HealthNetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? HealthNetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. HealthNetics products are all natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at HealthNetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. That's exactly what you've got here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting at NDT Scouting, NFL and NFL Draft Analyst for FanRag Sports. And I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Joe Marino, uh, also of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports. Joe, welcome to Week 3 College Football Preview. This is our 201st podcast episode since last September. I guess you can say... We are having the time of our lives. Oh, man. Nice way to pay homage to our man, Sergio Dip. Uh, He has been the source of many good laughs. Time of our lives. Yes. Here it is. On your your phone. It's, It's here. Having the time of his life. It's great. 201 episodes. Uh, and, uh. Hey, we're we're just rolling. We'll just we'll just get another hundred in our back pocket here and and uh, keep doing this until someone kicks us out. Right. Yeah. It's uh, make sure that does not happen, guys. So here's our shameless plug. We're gonna get it out of the way early today. Hit subscribe on the Draft Dudes podcast. Follow along. We are uh, we're gonna have some great nuggets throughout next week. Uh, specifically, I'm taking a scouting trip, which we're gonna talk about here in just a couple minutes. Uh, Thin slate of games, but this one's got some sex appeal, so make sure that you uh, hit subscribe, whether that's on iTunes or any other podcast apparatus that you may listen through, and and stay with us, because, Joe, let's dig right in today. You know, I know on Wednesday we bragged about some of the small talk we have on this show, but uh, I'm still not over us not agreeing 
on our last conversation point. So I want to get right to football. We're going to stick to football here. I am. Let's do it. Getting ready to get on a plane, and I'm going to fly to Memphis, Tennessee to see the undefeated 1-0 Memphis Tigers host Josh Rosen and the UCLA Bruins on Saturday at 12 noon, ABC. And uh, needless to say, I'm pretty excited because when I look at what the other options are for games to watch, I can tell you I'm not missing too much of anything. Yeah, no, no kidding. This was a good week to to see uh, see Miss Rosen and and uh, maybe overlook some of the other other games you can catch up with uh, later on. But um, Kyle, what do you look for here? You're going going to Memphis, Josh Rosen before your eyes. What's what's uh, what's Mr. Krabs looking to see? Yeah, well, um, I definitely just know I do have Delaware State, West Virginia DVR. So I'll, don't don't worry, guys. I'll <laughs> catch up on that game ASAP. It, Thank you. Thank you. I was worried about that. Uh, With a situation like this, I mean, this is the kind of guy that you would love to get your eyes on and see in person. Uh, The other opportunity that I was going to have did not materialize for me this year. I wanted to try and get out to to Notre Dame to see uh, Sam Darnold get out to Notre Dame and play in October. Uh, That did not come to pass. I potentially have some of the games that weekend, but... um, with a situation like this, especially where Rosen has really turned it on second half of the A&M game, still made some throws in that game that you look at and say, yeah, you probably shouldn't have done that. But he got away with them in the moment, and then he comes out and plays tremendous football against Hawaii. I thought he showed a number of NFL passing concepts. He was really effective beating cover two zone. So now... When I get a situation like this, especially coming off of a game like he had against Hawaii, where I I saw consistently, okay, he's hitting intermediate routes up the sidelines, beating cover two, he's showing good timing, he's understanding when the the flat defender is leveraged by a a route that's in the flat that's going to hold him, and he can fit that ball into that window in front of the strong or free safety that's going to flow into that route. So I see that kind of performance from him and now I want to see first and foremost is Memphis going to try and play cover two or do they think they have the guys on the boundary that can shut that down and if not I want to see how he performs against a single high safety look you know is he going to push the ball to the back shoulder if he's got a guy you know playing in the hip pocket or or if they're playing cover three does he work comeback routes or routes into the sidelines Uh, do they go back to what really killed Texas A&M in the second half of that big comeback where they went after the tight end a whole bunch. They ran a lot of uh, juke routes with the tight end where he presses up the field and they've got an empty set. You know, they might be walking guys up on the line of scrimmage or they may have a free safety that's bailed out 15, 20 yards and everybody else is up at the line of scrimmage trying to cause chaos in protection schemes. And uh, does he isolate that route? Because, you know, really UCLA's entire comeback was based on the premise of isolating the tight end against uh, the the Texas A&M free safety. Uh, not Watts, but the other one. Watt got beat once on a juke route. Looked like he got ready to jump down low for an out route, and then the tight end tucked back inside of him and got vertical and uh, got a chunk gain that regard. But, but 
UCLA and Rosen in particular really dialed in on that safety versus tight end matchup. And that's the kind of thing that you know, I want to start to see some teams play chess with him instead of just saying, okay, this is our D, this is what we're going to line up, this is what we're going to do. Hawaii did it with cover two, Rosen killed him. A&M did it down the stretch, trying to put the safety on the tight end, Rosen killed him. So what does Memphis do to try and get Rosen off the rails? And an opportunity to watch a game live and in person is a great opportunity to see that firsthand. Kyle, I'm going to put you on the spot. Fact or fiction, Josh Rosen has been the best passer in college football through two weeks. Fiction. It's Lamar Jackson. Ooh. Oh, wow. So eliminate Lamar's eliminating the the, the running part of that. (laughs) Yeah, Lamar's been great. Lamar has – I did their game last week against UNC, and uh, Lamar just destroyed the UNC linebackers. That Andre Smith, that poor guy, opened up his mouth before the game and said, you know, it's not going to be a Lamar Jackson show, and I get you got to, like, stand by your guys – but any time Louisville needed a first down and it was third and intermediate, he was going to the crossing routes and he was putting lasers just out of his reach. They consistently, you know, what we just talked about with Rosen and finding something schematically that you're going to go to and the other team just refuses to adjust. So you go for the kill over and over again. Jackson throwing the ball was very effective in that regard. Uh, some of his splash plays, I mean, extending plays from the pocket and then resetting his feet, that long 75-yard touchdown pass was a great example of, I don't know who else in college football can do that as well as he did that, where he extends a play, breaks full sprint like he's going to break the line of scrimmage, and then pulls up, resets his feet, is balanced in doing so and hits an accurate ball deep down the middle of the field over top of two defenders. There, there was. I just recently went back and watched Sam Darnold play Stanford from last week, and there was a similar play where Darnold was forced off his spot, had to reset and try to push the ball down the field, and he ended up overthrowing the ball because he tried to just juice it down there instead of throwing with clean throwing mechanics and, and really – getting the back leg and hips into his throw, uh, kind of muscled it out there, and he really lost all of his touch and trajectory. And uh, I thought that was a really interesting one-on-one dynamic for me where Darnold, who is more of a pocket passer, a guy that can throw on the move and throw pretty accurately, but he's nowhere near as dynamic as Jackson. Lamar's been great. I've watched every pass attempt he's had this year, and, and I really love what I see. Yeah, that's a that's high praise. You know, I could I could appreciate what you said about Darnold. There, uh, seems like when he's going to have to get off platform a little bit, and, and the mechanics, the mechanics aren't there to, to get the zip on the ball, and he loses his uh, his accuracy a lot. And those throws right right before the half uh, against yeah. uh, Stanford last week, you know, a couple of them just got away from him, and then the interception was pretty egregious. So. Uh, I thought you were going to take the cheese there on Rosen being the best passer, but uh, you are awfully uh, high on, on Mr. Lamar Jackson so far. And speaking of Lamar Jackson, how about his game this week against Clemson? This is, you know, uh, certainly a, a massive early test for Louisville. And, and, you know, we've said many times here on the show here in just a couple of weeks that unfortunately the talent around Lamar Jackson is very poor this, this, uh, 
this season and he's acclimating some new pieces, but he's been outstanding. And so, you know, here he is a, a big test against Clemson and, and, uh, you know, some defense, some defensive players that are just outstanding that front seven, you know, 14 tackles for loss, 11 sacks, if I'm not mistaken against uh, Auburn last week. And I thought a lot of, you know, I went back and watched that tape pretty heavily, the defensive tape for Clemson against uh, Auburn. And one thing that I noticed is, a lot of those sacks were very much Jarrett Stidham not having any type of rhythm and, and kind of holding on to the football and creating a lot of coverage sacks. Now, to the credit of Clemson's defensive line, they hustled out to the football, but you know it wasn't just this excessive uh, situation where they were just winning one-on-one battles over and over again. So, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, you know how he functions with timing and and. and establishes that rhythm in the passing game, I think is going to be really important for uh, Louisville and their chances to upset Clemson. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty accurate as far as uh, Stidham. You know, Stidham had a lot of fanfare. I didn't mm-hmm. see it. And I know it's no. just a game, and I know he was under a ton of pressure. Um, but I, I was really underwhelmed with that performance, and uh, this is by no means going to be a make-or-break game for Lamar Jackson and his pro prospects. Some people will try to turn it into that, especially if he goes out and he balls against the uh, the Boston Colleges and Wake Forest of the world. And, you know, this is kind of a, a looming black eye on his resume. And, and I do expect Clemson to ultimately win the game. But I think it's going to be closer than people are probably going to assume when they look at 14 tackles for loss, number three team in the country. Um, I think Louisville will give him a game. I think, uh, and a lot of that's going to come from Lamar. Uh, I'm really interested to see these two edge rushers for Clemson try and chase him down. Joe, you and I talked in the pre-show, Austin Bryant, uh, mm-hmm. the defensive end, number seven for Clemson. Uh, he's a junior, and he had a great game against Auburn. There were a number of plays where now I've kind of gone on the record saying I really like Cleveland Farrell, the redshirt sophomore who's number 99. And uh, there were a couple of plays where I saw big flash of penetration, and I said, oh, there's there's Farrell flashing the backfield. And then I'd actually get to look at the player, and, oh, no, that's seven. That's seven. It, it happened like three or four times before I'm like, all right, who is this kid? So I looked him up. There he is, got the name, put the star next to him, and started really watching him. He's good. He had a great performance. He's long. He's lean. I believe he's listed 6'5", 265. I don't know what they feed their edge rushers there, but it seems like each <laughs> one of those guys is 6'5 and thick. You know, Shaq Lawson, Cleland Farrell, Austin Bryant now. Uh, they got a really nice pedigree the past couple years, and, and Bryant certainly fits that mold as well. Uh they're going to have their chances because I'm not crazy about the Louisville offensive line. I would like to see them implement some moving pocket plays and some quarterback draws and really take advantage of a defensive line that's going to try to get penetration and disrupt the mesh point or disrupt the throwing platform for Lamar Jackson. Louisville's going to have to counter that. That's how I think they're going to do it. But uh, That's one matchup in this game to watch, uh, that cat and mouse between the throwing platforms for Jackson and where they're actually going to be versus where Clemson's keying on them being. You know, one of the unsung heroes I thought on Clemson's defense last year, and I thought has played well to start the season this year is their linebacker, number 34, Kendall Joseph. 
little known fact, this dude had 106 tackles, 11 and a half for loss last year. And uh, he's not a guy that we talk about very much. Um, and, you know, when I when I watched that Auburn tape, uh, I thought he popped a lot and just kind of, you know, everywhere, just always around the football. And uh, you could tell he's got some some quick processing skills and he gets there quick. So another player, you know, he'll be tested with, you know, his range and, and his ability to close down distances quick and, you know, all the challenges that Lamar Jackson offers, you know, Kendall Joseph's going to be challenged. I think this is a big game for him to, to really kind of, you know, make a statement here and show that he is one of the stars on this, this Clemson Tigers defense. So if you're looking for another name, a little bit under the radar, uh, check out this linebacker, number 34, Kendall Joseph for Clemson. Yeah. A name that flashed uh, or a number, I should say that flashed when I watched that game a good amount as well. Uh, Joe, it seems like all the interesting draft relevant matchups this week are centered around quarterbacks. We talked about Lamar. Uh, we talked about Rosen. Uh, how about Josh Allen? This is probably mm-hmm. the last chance that he's going to get to play a Power 5 school. Yep. And the resume is not good. So, no. <laughs> so we just got done saying for Lamar Jackson, the Clemson game is probably not going to be a make or break. But for some people, Joe, can you not see if he comes out and goes one touchdown, three picks against Oregon and they get – boat raced in the game. Can you not see that narrative for some people saying he threw three touchdowns and 10 interceptions against power five schools? I'm out. And just that people are going to plant their flag in the ground based on that alone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably happen. And physically look, he's, he's as physically gifted as any of these quarterbacks, but it's undeniable kind of at this point after that Louisville game that the, the decision-making in the processing has to speed up. The decision-making has to be cleaner. He just, he tries to foot, put the football in places that it can't go and, and just start to question his ability to see the field and five interceptions against Nebraska and the turnover where he throws against Iowa. And here we are against Oregon and uh, he needs to really show up with a big time performance. Now, look, he bounced back against Gardner Webb, but what he bounced back against Gardner Webb, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, so this is a big one. I think there's 17, uh, teams in, in attendance for this contest. And, and so um, that's a big one, man, as, as far as a, if an individual matchup defining, you know, whether that's right or wrong, but it, it's going to very much define a player as much as any game this year is what Josh Allen does against Oregon. The Starlight Lounge presents an evening with the progressive box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay, and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Yeah, and uh, the Q- the QB on the other side, Herbert, is only a sophomore. Uh, but I did the Oregon-Nebraska game last week for NET Scouting. He's a player. 
that's a name to put a star next to. You can get an early peek at him uh, if you get a chance to watch this game, which I don't know who's going to be getting uh, that game on television. If you do, uh, you're lucky it's on the CBS Sports Network. Uh, But it's at Wyoming. So Oregon at Wyoming. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Herbert just as much as I am seeing Allen because I personally feel like I've got a grasp on what Allen is right now. Obviously, there's probably 10, 11, potentially 12, I guess, if they get a conference championship appearance. Uh, Games left for Wyoming, so there's a ways to go. But seeing him versus Iowa was very parallel and similar to what I saw last year, not just against Nebraska where he threw the same interception five times. But uh, looking at his overall body of work, it was kind of in line with where I thought I was going to be with him. So I'm not super pressed to see him against Oregon, although Oregon has good team speed on defense. I think it'll be a good showcase in that regard. Uh, But Herbert, I saw Herbert against Nebraska last week, and it got my eyebrows raised. So now I want to see him come back against a school like Wyoming and say, okay, you should pick them apart. I want to see Oregon put up 42 points again because they put 42 up on Nebraska and then diddled around and let them back into the game. They were up 42 to 14 at one point. So check that game out if you get a chance, whether that's on Saturday, Sunday, before the the football games start for NFL, sometime throughout the course of next week. That's a, a really interesting game to watch as far as 2018 draft relevance and 2019 draft relevance. Kyle, you said you got a chance to watch USC last week against Stanford and go back and watch Darnold. How about that receiver he has, Deontay Burnett, number 80, yeah, man? That yeah. dude was making plays. Uh, he looked good. He, I mean, you talk about catching catching my eye. I mean, that dude looked awesome. Uh, the issue is he's six foot 170, right? So that's not that's not what we're looking for. So it, it'd be curious to see you know, what his real numbers are and if he can bulk up or whatnot. But uh, I, I'm anxious to see Burnett this week with, you know, obviously, Sam Darnold taking on Texas. Uh, you know, I think Darnold, you know, he's completing almost 75% of his passes, but some of those – some of those turnover-worthy throws are a little bit head-scratching, and you're starting to really pay attention to the guy's mechanics and getting worried about him. And let's keep in mind, you know, Darnold started like 11 games so far in his career, so there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of football to be played for him. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of entered the season with this, you know, bonafide number one overall guy. And, and uh, you know, now he's heavily under the microscope, and so we're starting to get – a little bit more familiar with what some of his deficiencies are, but big, big game. Look, I get it. It's Texas. They're, they're rebuilding. They're in the big 12, but uh, it is Texas and, and it's a big game and uh, really anxious to see Darnold and, and see how, you know, he matures and, you know, grows this season. And obviously Burnett and, and the strong game he had against Stanford. So, you know, there's some appeal here in this, this game between uh, USC and Texas. And then, you know, Malik Jefferson as well. Uh, seems like he's kind of hit or miss. He's got a lot of hype around him coming into Texas and the five-star recruit rating. And I think he's been kind of up and down and we're looking for him to kind of take that next step this season. And, uh, you know, a big, big game here for him and going up against Perry Jones, who, you know, really starting to show some, some really nice rates, uh, the USC running back. So uh, that'd be a good matchup to watch in that game as well. You know, how Malik Jefferson, the Texas linebacker, does against Perry Jones, the, the USC running back. Listen, man, Texas gave up 51 points to Maryland in the season. <laughs> opener. 
USC has Sam Darnold, Ronald Jones, this this freshman stud runner. Uh, Texas is going to have their hands full. And like you you mentioned the couple throws that Rosen or I'm sorry not Rosen Darnold had before halftime in their last game against Stanford last week. How about the last two throws he had before half? He came back. I talked about that throw where he had was forced off his spot, had to throw deep down the left side, and he missed the throw because he didn't get his feet set properly. But the last two throws of the half, Rosen finds a vertical. Called him Rosen again. I got Rosen on the mind, man. Darnold hits vertically over top of the defense for a big 50-yard chunk play. And then the next play is rolling to his right, floats a perfect ball into a hole in zone coverage for a diving touchdown reception. Uh, that was kind of my general thesis surrounding why I thought Darnold was so good throughout the course of the summer. His situational football skills are excellent. You know, when it's crunch time, when it's third down and money downs, and it's in the red zone, he's good. He's very good. Uh you mentioned some of the turnover-worthy throws. He had his first interception. I don't know what the hell he was looking at. You know, he's got got a guy coming down the barrel of the gun. He throws off his back foot. It's just a looping throw. Uh, that's what Texas is going to have to accomplish if they want to win this football game. They have to make those questionable decisions from Darnold show up again because I don't think they can stop USC on the ground. USC has two very gifted runners. Ronald Jones is draft eligible. He is violent. He runs low to the ground. Uh, He runs pissed off every time he touches the football. And I love that about him because he does not look actively seat contact. But if you've got him squared up and he knows he's head to head with you, he'll take you on. And odds are with his pad level and his aggression as a runner, he's going to win that. And um, I think... As good as Darnold is, I think Texas, you know, they got gashed by the Maryland running game. Now, granted, Maryland had a more versatile quarterback in terms of making plays with his legs, but the the Maryland backs just diced Texas, and USC's backs are better than that. So I think Texas is really going to have to key on making a couple of those questionable decisions show up for Darnold, and Darnold, just take care of the football, man. You're at home, you, you're favored in the game, you've got better skill guys, you've got more dynamic offense, you've got a great defense behind you, just don't try to do too much, and I think that's sometimes what we see right now with him on the questionable plays, the throws off his back foot that go up into coverage and let a guy run underneath him and make an interception, just take the sack, don't do too much, and I think that's something we're seeing Darnold fight with a little bit right now. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, though. I, you look at the completion percentage of all the you know, the kind of the big five quarterbacks so far. He's he's at 74.6%. It's the highest. So uh, also the most interceptions. So, uh, he, you know, he is doing some good things. Um, I got one more quarterback I want to mention, and, and maybe I don't because I, I, I feel like you are you are seeing different things. The tide <laughs> is turning. I know who you're bringing up here. Yeah, yeah, and that's my dude, Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State quarterback. Um Two games so far, Tulsa and South Alabama, and he, they're heading to uh, to Pitt this week for a um, you know really I guess the 
the biggest test so far on Oklahoma State's schedule. And I know that uh, you are you are uh, falling off the wagon here a little bit. I'm not ready to do that. I saw the misses that he that he had in that game uh, against South Alabama. Some of them were pretty concerning, but um, I still like the skill set with Mason Rudolph. I think he's got the the arm. I like how he works the football to all levels of the field. I think that he has an understanding of where space and leverage is going to be in the defense. Uh, he's shown some mobility this year that actually I, I like quite a bit. Six touchdowns, no interceptions so far. I understand the system, you know, really makes it awfully friendly for for Mason to be able to find space and, and, and where to go with football. And his supporting cast is outstanding. Uh, so I think this is an important contest for him against Pittsburgh to to win people back over like yourself, Kyle. Yeah, this is a big one, and I'm really disappointed. Pitt's defense is going to be missing Whitehead, who's their safety. He's uh, the best defensive player on that team, and he's been suspended for the first three games. Uh, Not necessarily ideal to be suspended when you play Penn State and Oklahoma State back-to-back weeks. Just just throwing that out there. It's it's (laughs) not an ideal ideal look. Um, but yeah, I mean we've we've talked about we talked about how why I was so impressed with Jackson in this regard. We talked about why I was underwhelmed with Darnold in this regard. Resetting the feet. No, Mason's not doing it right now, and he didn't do it for either game. You know, the nice thing about Oklahoma State is correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but have they not played during the week both of the first two weeks? Of the year, yeah, yeah they I played think it like was Thursday, Thursday and then Friday. Friday. Yeah. yeah, so I got the chance. They were the only game on TV, so I said, "Heck yeah, I'm gonna sit down and watch Mason Rudolph." I'm watching Mason against Tulsa, and he's he's moving, but he's not reestablishing his balance, and that's really negatively influencing when he has to move away from his target. He gets nothing on the ball. A lot of these throws seem like they're coming in short or because he's all arming and he's not getting on top of the ball and the ball sails high. There's just too much variability in terms of trajectory and distance right now from what I've seen at the beginning of the year. I love Mason's traits. Mason probably throws the prettiest deep ball in college football. I mean, if you're going to ask a guy to drop it in the bucket, he's very consistent with it. He hits guys in stride. Uh, but, Joe, as you said, this is an offense that does lend itself very favorably to getting a lot of space to throw the football. Uh, a lot of what they do with alignments allows for middle-of-the-field shots that can get inside of a, an overtop defender, or if they're going to go down the sideline, they'll run their spacing with their patterns where they've got the outside wide receiver lined up at or inside the numbers. So now Rudolph has a very large window to drop the football outside of that receiver's outside shoulder because the defender's going to be playing that inside out. He's trying to protect the inside of the field. And with their alignment, now the receiver naturally has 8, 10 yards to work outside and adjust to the football, and he's naturally boxed out the defender based on how they've done their spacing. So those are just a couple things to look at when you look at this Oklahoma State offense and how they, they attack down the field. Um, he he throws some NFL concepts. So I'm not, you know, that was one thing I had that I was really concerned with with Patrick Mahomes last year is Patrick just loved to sit in the pocket, wait for things to develop. They ran long developing routes, 
and then he would work through the pocket after that, let somebody work back to the line of scrimmage. Uh, not a lot of timing-oriented stuff was another uh, thing that I saw from Mason that I see him you know, make the check at the line of scrimmage. Back foot does hit the ground, and the ball's capable of coming out. So I like those things. But as far as dealing with pressure, that's something that's making me a little more gun-shy than I was coming into the year because I've seen it two straight weeks now. Yeah, and I want to read three sentences here from my summer report on Mason Rudolph. Has some inconsistency with lower body weight transfer, and it causes the ball to get away from him occasionally when making quick throws. Pressure gets to him. Although he can manipulate the pocket well, his accuracy on the move and in the face of pressure noticeably declines. And so uh, I think that holds true so far for, for two weeks. And, yeah. and, and well, yeah, we'll see. We've got a lot of football left and some, some big important games for Oklahoma State, who's kind of in the thick of things with a very favorable schedule. And, uh, you know, this is their first test. So we, we shall see on how that, uh, how that progresses throughout the course of the season. Yeah, Joe. Do you know off the top of your head, does your producer potentially have this information readily available? Who's home for uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State this year? I think they're going to Norman. Oh, boy. That's um, that's the that's the Big 12 right there. Well, I mean, they'll play twice, right? Yeah, they'll, <laughs> they'll play twice. But, I mean, I think Oklahoma right now, you know, obviously coming up, Big surprise, Kyle Lakes, Oklahoma, coming off a big win against Ohio State. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, I also thought Ohio State was was overrated. So uh, th- they are a class of their own. I think Oklahoma State, you know, I think the college level, you're much more likely to have a handful of guys that can be true difference makers and carry you in some games. I think the Rudolph and Washington combination is going to win them a couple tight games throughout the Big 12 schedule, just because a lot of these games are going to be shootouts with those guys being so consistently on the same page. Uh, and Baker Mayfield's just playing out of his freaking mind right now. It's unbelievable. Uh, he, I, I, he was great as a passer against Ohio State, Joe. Yeah, he uh, he needs a wizard, right, with the football in his hands. I, I stand corrected. It's at Stillwater. So uh, that's a big advantage for Oklahoma State. There you go. I'm glad your producer could pull that up. So that that's week ten, November fourth. So November fourth. Oh, yeah. November football. Yeah, that's Nothing a big bad. week. That's a stacked week. I know you and I actually exchanged some text messages that uh, this week. Oh that, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's that's that week. Yeah, yeah. that's that week. <laughs> that's that's LSU Alabama's that week. Yes. Um, there's a lot of good football. I think there's like five or six matchups of top twenty teams. Granted, that's the polls right now, but there's five or six matchups of like top 20 teams that week. So uh, if your friends are having any weddings or anything like that, <laughs> uh, just, you know, slip them, a, buy them something off the registry and you know, give them a pat on the back and, and give them a makeup at some point. I think that's, that would be my professional advice on that matter. No fall weddings, no fall weddings. It's time for the fall wedding to die. <laughs> We're trying. Anything else you're looking for this week, Kyle? I, I know that there's a it's a light slate, but uh, you and I in the pre-show we kind of mentioned this Tennessee Florida matchup is you know one that's always interesting. And uh, specifically, what I'm looking for here is John Kelly, running back Tennessee. Uh, their first two games, Georgia Tech, and then um, 
somebody underwhelming at home that I cannot remember right now. Jacksonville State. That no, Jacksonville State played Georgia State Tech. I, I can't remember who they played last week. Uh, but uh, you know, the Gators have a good front seven. Indiana and, State. Indiana State. Excuse me. Yes. How did I? How could I forget Indiana State? Um, <laughs> it'll be a nice contest for John Kelly to, uh, to kind of pound the rock against an SEC defense and. You know, CC Jefferson and 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 uh, just some of the some of the horses they have there at Florida, and then uh, kind of interested mostly from the Tennessee side of things and how their defense looks. Uh, you know, they played Georgia Tech, which is a, a triple option team, and then Indiana State, and and so now you go against Florida, and you can argue whether or not that's a that's a real college football offense. But you know, they've got that type of personnel, so I want to see you know like guys like Khalil McKenzie. A big time recruit. Uh, he shows really good power at the point of attack. Uh, how does he fare against that Florida offensive line? Jonathan Kongbo, another guy that we've been waiting to emerge. He's he's he played defensive tackle last year because he had to, uh, but he was really out of position. Now he's back out on the outside, uh, playing in in, a, in where he belongs, playing defensive end. So you know what type of athleticism and, and bend and flexibility around the corner does he show against Florida? Uh, 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 Vickers, um, their defensive tackle, one of their captains, number 39. I thought he had a horrible game against Georgia Tech, just constantly rooted out of his gap. You know, how does he bounce back against an SEC uh, offensive line? And then a couple linebackers, they have Colton Jumper, who uh, had some really good moments against Georgia Tech. Want to see, you know, where he's at. And, and then they have a, a sophomore linebacker, uh, Daniel Batule, uh, a guy that, that really showed out against Georgia Tech. And uh, got a chance to meet him and talk with him after that game, and you just kind of kind of drawn to his personality. Want to see how he looks against uh, uh, against Florida. So there's a lot of individuals in that game that I'll be paying attention to, and uh, we can never discredit uh, you know the Florida Tennessee rivalry. No, and uh, it it seems like it's kind of lost some of its sex appeal this year. But um, Tell you what, with the kind of offensive football Florida's playing, maybe they should adopt the uh, Georgia Tech triple option. Can and... we just get Matt Canada as head coach? Please? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. That'd be outstanding. Um, yeah, I think you did a nice job kind of summarizing. There's always going to be players in a game like this. When you've got schools that can recruit to the caliber of what Tennessee and Florida, those programs are going to be able to attract uh there's always guys. It's just the quality of the football this year seems like it's a little down. Tennessee just lost a ton of guys from last year. They lost a ton of relevant NFL talent. Florida is missing some guys with a litany of issues, whether that's injury or guys that they graduated. They lost a ton on defense last year or you know, other various incidents at the University of Florida. Um, so I'm always n- going to watch it if it's on TV, but it's not a game I look at this week, even though uh, I believe both these schools are rated, are they not? Or ranked yeah, in the yeah, top 25? This is two top 20. It yeah. sure is. Two top 25 teams. Yeah, it's, it's not must-watch TV for me live this weekend. I think there's other names that I'm more pressed to see that I'm not going to forego a chance to see. Um, for example, let's see who plays at 3.30. Uh, I'd, I would rather watch TCU or Wisconsin at 3.30 play SMU, which, by the way, there's a nice wide receiver on that SMU team, Cortland Sutton. 
um, than watch Tennessee, Florida. I would rather watch Cortland Sutton play TCU than watch Tennessee, Florida this year. Strong statements. It's just the truth. I'll have it on. Of course you will. You, you're you're a SEC football guy. I am, but I live in really ACC true. country. I was, what is that? I'm going to be seeing 11 of the uh, 14 SEC, ACC teams live this year. And and, and uh, if the championship and bowl games go like I think they will, I, I have a good chance of seeing all 13. So. That would be outstanding. Uh, yes. It would be a hell of a goal. I might need to just make that happen, like, no matter what. Well, here's hoping that the uh, the last team plays in the national championship game, so you got a strong arm your way to make that happen. <laughs> I'm rooting for you for that more than anything. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I get to see a third of the Pac-12 this year live and in person. Yes, that's a little, that's that's so a little cool. odd. <laughs> yeah, Philly guy. You're going to see that many Pac-12 schools. So yeah, that's saw, uh... saw Washington, one of the best teams in the uh, the conference, against Rutgers week one. Uh, next weekend, I'm seeing two games on a Friday-Saturday split back-to-back, so I'll get another four. So I actually get five Pac-12 teams live and in person this year. There you go. We're, we're making it happen. Hitting the road for the people this year. So uh, it's going to be fun to look back on this and, and kind of see all the all the stadiums we were able to get to this year. This has been an awesome start, and we've got a lot planned. But that is going to do it for us today on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thanks so much for giving us your your ear here on a Friday, setting the tone for a big weekend ahead of us in college football. Kyle, safe travels to you in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, we'll be back again for you guys on Monday. Like Kyle said, hit that subscribe button. Don't miss anything that we're doing. For Kyle Krabs, I'm Joe Marino, and thank you for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.